Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. <laughs> He's talking already, Peter. Yeah. Wait, wait. I've got to do my introduction. We're on air. It's, it's the Arsenal preview. It's Peter, of course. It's me. Uh, we have had a couple of beers, but what the hell. And we're in the company of a man who's drinking a cup of tea, by the looks of it. I am drinking a cup of tea. <laughs> it's Matthew Mattioli. Pencil show, anyway. <laughs> it's Matthew Mattioli, our regular Arsenal, well, fairly regular Arsenal fan guest. Hello, Matthew. How are you doing? Hi, Russell. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Um, yeah, as you said, I am drinking a cup of tea. I went to the pub for the first time in over a year last night. So, uh, a little bit ropey. All day recovery then, yeah? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Nobody's used to it anymore, are they? No, at one point in and I was uh, already feeling a little bit wavy. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I had the same problem. I went, to, I went down to Brighton for the game on Tuesday and ended up having about three or four pints. And you know what happened? I started thinking we'd beaten Man City. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> I was so hammered. <laughs> I still thought it when I got home. It's crazy. Oh, dear. No, no. it's great to have you with us. Um, ahead of, of course, the final game of this rather crazy, tumultuous, compressed, weird, appallingly refereed season. Um, and we've got you guys at the Emirates. You're a season ticket holder at Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you've been increasingly frustrated by playing us, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> tell, tell us about your, your, your angst at playing oh. Brighton. I, I don't think I've seen Arsenal beat Brighton at the Emirates. Yeah, I think what you've put is it your third, fourth season in the Premier League now, and I think we beat you in the first season. But I have no recollection of that whatsoever. So either I wasn't there or I had a great time. I don't know. It was which. a pretty ordinary two 0 I think, from your point of view. I think we hit the post at one point, but it, yeah. from, probably from your point of view, it probably been a pretty average. You know, for us, it was the first trip to the Emirates to watch Albion for a long well, ever. But yeah. for you, it probably was a like. We've beaten the team 2-0, who we expect to be comfortable. It was a bland 2-0 defeat, I remember. I think if I'd been there, I'd have remembered, because, you know, with you guys being Brighton fans, it would have stood out a little bit for me. But, but yeah, so I think I might have missed that one. And then since then, we drew against you to kind of 
knock our hopes of getting Champions League football uh, was it the season before last. And then yeah. uh, last season, you just... Two one, wasn't it? Two one. Yeah, and that was... <laughs> Great. So yeah, a, a Brighton are a bogey team. Absolutely a bogey team for us. Um, I mean, but it, it does amuse me because obviously growing up in North London, I had a lot of Arsenal fans around and Tottenham fans around and used to take the piss out of Brighton. So beating Arsenal did quite amuse me. But the fact that we beat you, the first team we beat in the top six, big six teams, we beat all full stop and also away was quite funny because having grown up with all the Arsenal yeah. fans taking the piss was quite amusing for me. Also, beating Man U every time beat was quite amusing as well when we beat them twice at home. That was pretty amusing as well. And just kind of like, because a lot of people when I was growing up supported Arsenal or Man U in my school because they were like, Man U were the, the big team at that time. Yeah. And Arsenal were the local team who were the big team. And it was like, yeah, both of them were... Yeah. No one really kind of seemed to like find it... You know, everyone seemed to find it quite funny to support the team in League 2 as it was then or whatever. <laughs> so, or three, as it was yeah, no one's laughing now, Peter. a <laughs> while. <laughs> So a load of Arsenal fans were bullying you. They were all picking on you, the Brighton fan, in North London. That's like shooting fish in a barrel, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Well, the no, fish has jumped out the barrel and bitten you on the ass. I laughed at my Barnet fans at one point when he used to beat us 3 nil and 2 nil at that time as well. So <laughs> it didn't really take that much, to be honest. I mean, Barnet fans were laughing. I mean, Oxford fan who I went to school with was laughing. You know, Brighton were basically bottom of the, the, the whole, like, barrel by that point. They were, like, we were, like terrible. So it was literally any fan of any club pretty much laughed at me. It was almost Wingate and Finchley fans pretty were close to laughing at me. <laughs> <laughs> very local well, reference there to North Very London. local, yeah. <laughs> Don't forget, folks, Peter is a born and bred North Londoner, of course, in case anybody doesn't remember. We usually reiterate it on a regular basis. I'm usually able to say the word reiterate as well. Never actually lived in Brighton, but somehow I support Brighton all my days. How did that happen? My dad, it's all his fault. He, he's from he's from Brighton, obviously, but yeah, I kind of... It would have been very random otherwise. I just thought, like, growing up, I fancy supporting Brighton. <laughs> yeah, just giving yourself a hard time. They're a random, like, third division team. I'll support them rather than... <laughs> from there. So I had little choice, realistically. And I've, to be fair, over, I never really regretted it. It's like... Uh, yeah. Well, you a lot of ups and a lot of downs and mainly downs, but more ups recently. So. Yeah. There are, there are some random affiliations. There's a guy from the forum days before Twitter who's a Brighton fan, and he lived in deepest, darkest Suffolk, somewhere right in the countryside, called, a guy called Jimmy. And I asked him why he was a fan. He said, well, he was never really engaged with football that much. Um, but vaguely speaking, Ipswich was his local team. And once he went to a game, Ipswich Brighton, he was impressed by the away fans. And on that basis, he just tagged into the Albion. And he, he went to a home game at, um, I think it was at Woodding. And he got the train, he had, he had to get a lift to the bus stop. I kid you not. I think it was like a 10-minute drive to his local bus stop to then get another bus to another bus or something, to get a train, to then go to another train to Ipswich, to then go to Liverpool Street in London, go across London, then down to Brighton. He had to stay overnight for a, a game at Brighton. He lives in the south half of England, but he That's had to stay overnight. That's commitment, to be fair to it you. Is. Yeah. Yeah, it's madness. I'm going to give it to him. Um, like, he might not be the most avid Brighton fan in the world, but that, to go to a game, that is commitment. 
Yeah, I couldn't believe it. And fair play to him. I don't know if he's still a fan. I'm, I've lost touch with him. If you're listening, Jimmy, which I severely doubt, but if you are, fair play to you and get back in touch. <laughs> Contact <laughs> the show. Actually listen to our randomly to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? You I never really know. There, Jimmy. I really hope you are. Yes, absolutely. Don't don't turn to Ipswich. They've got money coming behind them now. You know, just watch out. Um, but anyway, no, Matthew, it's great to have you with us. Um, looking at the head-to-head records, we've won five games. There's been just four draws and 13 wins for Arsenal. It's not actually that many games, is it? 22 matches. Really. No. I mean, I'd, I'd be interested to know what the recent, the very recent uh, head-to-head was uh, for Arsenal-Brighton. Because I think... I think- I'm not sure you we were. Thought, yeah, perhaps. <laughs> I was going to say, are you sure about that? It's <laughs> <laughs> um, one more than you since the Premier League, but like 3 2 2 or something like that. It's pretty, yeah. it's pretty close. It's not like yeah. it's, we've won all seven or something like that, but I think, it's, I think it was, it was, three, it was, it was better. Much, I think we hadn't lost from the first game until the last game. So in between, we were five unbeaten and then we lost oh. in December against you guys. Yeah. yeah, we had we had the cup games, of course, famously, didn't we? Um, actually, we had one in nineteen eighty eight. We lost two one in twenty thirteen, which was the first game at the Amex between us. Uh, you guys won three two. Do you remember that's the one that, with the? the one? Yeah. You, yeah. In fact, that's the game we went down to together, wasn't it? Yeah. With a bunch of us. Yeah. yeah Definitely outplayed, yeah. Le- yeah. Leonardo Joa <laughs> diving header was that was that the game? Yeah, it was a the, it was his debut, a diving header, and we then lost three two two seasons later, I that, which was a lot less close because exactly. I think in that three two we were level twice, and it was all very tight. Whereas I think Arsenal were always well ahead in the three two that we lost under in the puppier season, and we we were like three one down and two nil down. And it was like we kept getting back into it, but never quite level. What I remember about that was Koscielny was playing uh, in defence. I think it's this was the second of those three two games, and I remember thinking I think we had Craig McHale Smith. Maybe it was the first one actually. I'm not sure, but we had Craig McHale Smith, and I thought he seems quite pacey, and we're going to see if he can test the defence. And Koscielny seemed to be just catching him up and overtaking him in slow motion. And I thought <laughs> shit. Players in the Premier League are actually quite fast, aren't they? <laughs> By default, hmm. I think the big thing the second one was that I think Chris O'Grady scored, which. God, no, you didn't let Chris O'Grady score, did you? Oh my God! You didn't score many for us in the championship. So, Matthew, we had a song called "If, if O'Grady Scores Were on the Pitch." This yeah. wasn't like an end of season thing. This is a general thing. I think that was. A, I think that was the same. I think that was the Brentford away when he did score. It was the third round, and then we won at we lost to Arsenal, and he scored again. He, he obviously, I think he scored more FA Cup goals that season than league goals. Magic of the cup. Yeah. Any. any Absolutely. Score anywhere. Against anyone, but yeah, it doesn't then, so well good offence that season. They did Chris O'Grady because I mean I was nothing against the guy. He gave his all and he was like very put of effort in, but he got three goals all season. I think two of them were in the cup. So not was great. Put it that way. Well, this is why I've got a slightly different impression of Arsenal because your 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 memory of it is obviously the recent angst of not getting results you should have done against us. But we had those two cup games where we felt we could have got the upset and didn't. Then we finally got in the Premier League 2017, so another two years later, and you beat us again, um, 2 0 yeah. at your place. Obviously, we, we talked about that game, the one you've forgotten or you weren't there or whatever. And then eventually, we got the 2 1 at home. So finally, we got one win out of four. We then had the one all draw at the Amex the following season. 
uh, both games won all actually that mm. season. And then we've had obviously last year we could, we did the double, which is the one and only time we'll probably ever do the double over Arsenal. So we aren't going to milk that one. Both <laughs> scores two two one again actually, which is interesting. So I wonder if I say that, that means you're going to beat us one nil. Someone else milked that quite a lot, and it is missing at the weekend. Who was would have been got a really good reception from the tent from the Arsenal fans in the stadium, who's uh, missing at the weekend. Who petty shit else. Yeah. Oh, is he not going to be there? No, he's suspended at the weekend. Oh, that's a shame. (laughs) (laughs) In fairness to, in fairness, that whole thing, like Gwendozi's a bit of a dick. He should have got banned for that. I mean, I know he never played for you again afterwards, but it was ludicrous that he strangled Mope basically and didn't get, then the FA didn't react to that. I mean, if ever there was an example of a top six bias, that probably was it because. He, how on earth he wasn't charged after that for, and yet Mopey got charged and got an extra game, which means we could get weekend for apparently saying you're a fucking joke to Reverie at the weekend. So yeah, in. this is the irony. He, yeah, he, he called him a fucking joke, and the irony is he's banned from the Arsenal game for having done the same thing that Guendouzi got away with doing against Arsenal yeah. in the same fracas that we were talking about earlier. One of those things. He's not been playing that well, to be honest. And... Guendouzi, what you're playing anyway, so it's fine. True, no. and and we didn't need him to beat Man City. <laughs> Did I mention the fact we beat Man City? Oh, <laughs> uh, so um, yeah. So who knows? I think what we what we know from the record books there is that it's it's anybody's game, isn't it? Really, you guys have had a bit of an inconsistent season. Tell us about it. What what's your take on the season, Matthew? Ah, uh, it's it's been kind of some some good points, but a lot of bad. I think you know. We, I think it's it's a season that's been kind of defined by a really really poor run of form. Um, I think it was just before Christmas, like you know, the first couple of games of the season were okay, and then we didn't win again for like ten or eleven games or something stupid like that. And that has just kind of defined the rest of the season. You know, if if we had even a kind of mediocre patch. Um, instead of losing or drawing all those games at that point, we would be challenging for probably Champions League spots at the moment, but we're not because of it. It's I don't know. It just it, it feels like we're still a squad in transition um, and a club that I think needs an overhaul really um, in terms of management, in terms of you know the people who own the club, who run the club, it, you know, you need people there who want Arsenal to really succeed. And I don't think we've got that. And I think that's kind of, it shows, it comes through on the pitch, ultimately, you know, if, if you're not um, going to put the, invest the time and, and money into the club, then um, it's not, they're not going to succeed, not in, not in today's, today's game, unfortunately. So, yeah. You could be suggested takeover and, it doesn't sound like it's that likely because the, the Crunkers want to kind of keep it, but yeah, welcome the the talk of the table. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. You know, the guy he seems to be. Well, he says he's an Arsenal fan, so he's been an Arsenal fan his whole life. He's got you know the backing of Thierry Henry and Dennis Burkamp apparently, and you know those kind of big Arsenal names. So um, I think anything really at this point in time, I just, I just want I just want some change at the club. It's it's. Um, you know, the Cronkies view it, clearly they view all of their sports enterprises as um, vehicles for making money for themselves. It's And that's the way they view sport. It's a business for them. And 
and that might work in America and that, you know with their franchise model but I don't think it translates well into um into sort of British football European football generally you know it, there's a lot more history um and there's a lot more tradition and kind of there's more of a culture around mm. um football in Europe and um yeah so it just doesn't work and owners like that really shouldn't be in charge of these clubs and you've got to think are they fit and proper to to own clubs no i would say um but obviously the premier league and the fa deemed otherwise so we, we all know what a fit and proper test is so it's a bit of a joke i mean no one that as being. Well, I mean, yeah. you just need to not be a config, convicted well, felon basically exactly. i mean well the, look at the berry and what happened with them i mean the guy who was allowed mm. to own them and yeah done previously and how he then basically put them into the base of what they were out of business. I mean, you had to look at that to see what a fit and proper person needs. You have to look at, like, was it Cellini when he was at Leeds? And he was a, the wrong type of fraud he was convicted of, or something like that. So he was allowed to own Leeds. You know, it's it's mm. basically a laugh, a, a laughable, the whole thing. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, look at Blackpool as well. I'm not, I, I don't want to say yeah, the yeah. first name because I can't remember which one's which. There's a father and son ownership thing. And the Oystons. The main guy's the father of the Oystons. And the father is a convicted rapist. You know, how is someone like that allowed to take control of a club? I think if you've got a criminal record for something serious, yeah, you should. It doesn't matter what whether that's related to football business or not. Why the hell would someone like that be? If, if I imagine might, if you are a rape victim and you your club has yeah. a convicted rapist as its owner. If I'm honest, how do you support? All, all makes me so glad that I mean, right now, first of all, Dick Knight who. While he wasn't the richest man ever, was a fan and was supporting, you know, to get the club going during the years. And then mm-hmm. I've now got Tony Bloom, who is probably the, I would say, the best chairman. You could argue Leicester probably as, a, as an alternative. I think they've been yeah. amazing what they've done at Leicester, but there's not really any other competitors. I don't think Tony Bloom, I think, arguably the best chairman in the Premier League. And he's, I just, yeah, he's just a, done an amazing job. He's invested his money, he's done it the right way as well. So he's got all the infrastructure in place. He's not throwing money at. All the you know the heavy wage of players he's brought in, you know players for the future. He's he's done an incredible job, and yeah, I mean, I as much as obviously you guys are hiring us in the league and that sort of thing, I wouldn't swap our like structure and our ownership for anything really. It's yeah, genuinely you know brilliant. And even if we went down, I'd say the same thing because mm. has the best interest club at heart, and that's all that matters to me. Absolutely, man. Yeah, and I think that that's the kind of thing that makes a difference in the long long term as well. You know, even if Brighton did go down next season, say you, you'd expect, I think most people would expect Brighton to come back up again. And I think what you've got is that you know you're talking about that structure. It's a great foundation actually to really kind of push. You know, once you've got all of that in place, you can you can push the kind of performances on the pitch forward as well with it. And you know attract um you know different types of players different types of managers to the club you know and yeah. maybe think about you know your your youth setup and kind of getting that firing and getting that getting great players through the club as well you know and you've i think i agree that's why the structure is the kind of the, the, the way it goes down is really key because we yeah if we lose possibly i mean we all do at some point if we improve the point where i think he potentially could but even now, he's talked about where we could finish 17th on Sunday and he's linked with like Tottenham and that sort of thing. But they've got the structure in play with, we've got structure in play with Paul Barber, with, with Dan Ashworth, that sort of thing, that actually means that we'll have a position where we've probably got people lined up 
in our minds that could come in if we wanted them, you know, if we needed someone. And there's, there's, a, there's a, you know, it's not like you lose manager, like, oh my God, what do we do from here? There's, there's definite continuity and they know what the plan is. And yeah, it's, mm. it, it feels like a different club in that sense. Like we're, we're so much ahead of where we were, like even five years ago, it's like that when we were appointed Sammy Hookier and panicking and that's a little bit and going, almost going down. Yeah, we were six, seven, six, seven years ago, that was whatever, but. We've done, so, yeah. We've we've moved on so much in that time that we're now a kind of properly run Premier League club, and yeah, yeah the, and there's even in players. I mean, there's talk of obviously Basuma is linked with you guys amongst other teams, and we have players who can come in now. We're not just like going to have to panic and buy a new replacement. We've got players within the squad who could come in and do the same job, not necessarily as well initially, but certainly longer term as well as him. And it's 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 a proper club now. It's not like kind of we're yeah. Because we're imposters, we actually feel like we're a proper Premier League club now. And I think the, the good thing I like is that there's a balance. Because, I mean, I dragged you down to a game at the Amex, didn't I, Matthew? I think it might have been that game. Do you know we went in the shop and I got chatting to a guy and you said, "Oh, who's that?" And it was the fitness coach or something, and he'd been to a Seagulls over London meeting. Do you remember that? You, you chat with know. most people at Brighton, <laughs> Mayor Russell, so I can't remember that specific. Uh, <laughs> but I remember you thinking, I think it was the Gillian, it must have been the game when we had that that uh, rather strong beer in the evening. I was, yeah, I was telling someone about that the other day, actually. Yeah, was, uh, yeah actually, tell us, before I carry on with my bit, go on, tell us about that. Um, so, I, I think I've been to Brighton with you a couple of times, but anyway, we come, we drove in, or no, we got training, and um, went to the Evening Star, is it, that pub, and there were people yeah. walking around with like these half pints of what looked like muddy water. That's the best <laughs> way I can describe it. And um, you said, oh, well, they look interesting. I wonder what, what they are. So uh, you went and spoke to someone. You come back to like, oh, it's a it's a 14% special ale brewed um, by, the, is it Dark Star, the brewery? Yeah. Um, and you said, like, do, do you want one? I was like, oh, yeah, sure. We'll, we'll give that a go. Expecting a half pint of this 14% um, <laughs> ale. And Never uh, expect the whole time. To my horror, as I, I, as I went and found the seat, you came back to clients of the stuff and it knocked me for six. <laughs> I think I fell asleep at the game. It was, it's not a yeah, good way did, to yeah. 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 You fell asleep after about 15 minutes, actually. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wasted. <laughs> that, was the, that was the Gillingham League Cup match. It was our first <laughs> evening game ever at the Amex, actually. Yeah. I think I was, yeah. at, I was at Brighton's first game as well at the Amex. Did I go down for you for that one as well? Was it the Tottenham game? Did you come to the Maybe Spurs? not. Maybe, not. Maybe, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Oh, no. Hang on. The Gillingham game might have been before the... No, Doncaster was the first, proper, the first game, proper game. Oh, OK. OK, yeah. yeah. But no, yeah, the Evening Star is a great place. And I, do, I, I don't do things by halves. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> But, no, oh, we'll be talking, chatting to that. You went there, um, did you, with your joke? You went there. Yeah. <laughs> but no, we were in. The, we went in the club shop for one of the games, and Matt Miller was there. Who was? He was the. I think he was a fitness salt. He was this physio guy. I can't remember what it was now. And um, and you you said who's that? And I saw it's it's the player who came to Seagulls over London. He's one of the staff, and you seem taken aback by the fact that a member of the well, fairly key staff was just chatting to random fans. And we have kept an essence of that. I, we have become a lot more corporate, for sure. Peter's mm. right. But but it's um, 
it's charged by the fact that we've got Paul Barber in charge. I, I know ex-Tottenham connections, you probably won't approve. And he is a Spurs fan, actually, originally. But but he is a damn, damn good CEO. He's he's amazingly good. It's so, so good at dealing with people. To keep him on a sound of it. I mean, he's been linked with other jobs. Yeah. Like now moved up to deputy chairman, hasn't he? It's like one of his jobs, hasn't he? But effectively, yeah, that's right. So he's, we had to like, I think the FA, there's like been big clubs after as well. And it's, I mean, it's amazing. It's a pretty kind of like passing for Tony Boone. still kept him and... Paul Barber's so engaged in everything. The it's, about get, it's about getting the balance right. And for me, with Arsenal, David Dean, that era, David yeah. Dean was driving the club, wasn't he, essentially? Mm-hmm. And he had a very close working relationship with Arsene Wenger. But aside from that, he, he, he was clearly had his fingers on the pulse with all of the various elements that were necessary to run the club properly. And yeah. to me, look, the outsider looking in, it looked like when he left was when things started to go downhill. Do you, do you reckon that's about right? I'd say so, yeah. I think he's a big loss, um, has been a big loss mm. for Arsenal. It's, um, it, you know, I think within the club, he sort of uh, controlled like the culture of it to a certain extent and made sure that, you know, the club knew who it was and what it was supposed to be. But then it, his connections outside you know just in the world of football generally is something that I think Arsenal have lost and um, you know, I used to be a, a steward at Arsenal and um, for a number mm-hmm. of years and I remember one of my first games there David Dean was still there and he was he was walking around the perimeter of the pitch saying hello to all the stewards and you know welcoming people into the into the stadium and that and I thought it was brilliant you know and it was it was real it was a real kind of um Kind of almost like a, a, a family atmosphere at the club, but yeah. um, not long after he left, a few years later, I remember um, as a steward being told basically, don't talk to the players, like, don't, don't you know, they're separate, so you have the you difference, isn't it? Go and talk to them, you're not going yeah, really, allowed to talk to them, tell them what to do, or you know, yeah. I, th- I think the, the big thing is, if you're, I understand that obviously a lot of clubs are going to get owned by yeah, investments, by foreign investments. And I and I completely get that. I don't I don't want to pick that for Albion, but if it happened, I'd accept it. But the difference is, I think when you can tell whether where whether it's going to be this or not, whether because people who invest from overseas will either bring their own mates in as their own as like staff, in which case they're probably not going to be like popular, or they're mm-hmm. going to bring in people who know about football as their staff, and they're going to then probably like listen to what mm-hmm. they say. And that's the big difference, I think, between the two. Do you bring your mates in or your your family in or everyone mm-hmm. put them in like roles that they have absolute experience of or do you actually give them you know give the roles to people like I like Brighton have done with even ignoring Toby with Paul Barber and Dan Ashworth like that, who actually know football and know their stuff and that's fine because even if you're owned by a foreign investor if they're if they're happy to invest and you've got like people who actually know the stuff about football in charge that could be a really good you know really good way for success but if they then give their jobs to people who they know or family friends or you know from the local area who don't have any idea about the culture of this football. And it sounds, and I know people talk about culture in football a lot, but it is a big thing. Football is such a big thing over here. And I don't yeah. think a lot of countries understand it. I don't think it's not, it's quite different to, you know, America or China where sports is basically kind of a lot of its franchise. It's a very mm-hmm. different thing. And people, and sometimes people don't understand that logic. And it, I and think it, COVID has, has kind of stripped that back and has made it plainly obvious, hasn't it? A lot more actually. Mm-hmm. I think you know it's like like you say it's is a big like it's a cultural thing it really is a cultural thing over here and I think what they don't understand is that 
person's football club here really is it's almost a part of you part of your personality and your identity and um i don't think that's the same case in in the us you know they they love their sport and but they like the spectacle of the sport and that's the sense i get a lot more than the kind of the real the passion um for 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 your club that um football fans have over here and it's a big difference Hmm. And I think also we've done some non-league specials. We had Worthing, my own hometown club, and a couple of others. We've done focuses on. And I think for those that are getting disenfranchised with football at a higher level, mm. people are tapping into non-league and lower league clubs a lot more now. They're mm. really starting to go back to the essence of what drove them in the first place. And it doesn't seem to matter how low that is, how poor the football is even. Not that I'm saying Worthing play a good brand of football, by the way. It's not I'm not talking about them. But... Yeah, for other clubs, it might be a, a hoof and chase game, but it, it's about the dynamic. It's about the, the ambience of the club. It's about the giving of shitness, ultimately. Yeah. And I think with David Dean, he gave a shit. Paul Barber does give a shit. He's not a Brighton fan, but he's probably become one to a certain degree by having a long association with us you ongoing. Can you can understand the importance to fans of the club. That's the thing. It's yeah. like if you, even if you support another club, you can get the logic of that. But if you're brought in by, you know, investors from the country, from also from that country who don't understand the game, then you're, you, you're prone to kind of issues like signing up for the European Super League, for example. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, so let's get on to that then, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> I already know your views on this. You'll be glad to know, listeners, he isn't a fan of it. <laughs> Tell us more. <laughs> I just... Uh, it's a disgrace, really. The whole thing is a disgrace. And... It just, like we say, it, it kind of sums up the fact that these people making these decisions really know nothing about what it means to be a football fan in this country and what it means in Europe generally to be a football fan. You know, um, I think the vast majority of um, Arsenal fans, Liverpool, Chelsea, all of that lot um, in this country want us to remain playing football in the pyramid system the way it is, the way it works, the way it should work, you know. Um, and it's, I think, trying to kind of take what has been developed over a hundred years or more, um, and is a real, you know, it's it, they're, they're parts of their local communities. But basically, just to pick, take that, say, well, I've bought this, and I'm going to take it, I'm going to put it over here, and tough luck. It's just, it's just so wrong. On, <laughs> it's just awful that it was allowed to even get as far as it did. Um, yeah, and I've no doubt that they'll try again in a few years. That's why I yeah. think. All of these clubs need, and I think, you know, the Arsenal Supporters Trust are really pushing for this, is for um, a, a level of kind of fan ownership or at least fan representation um, on uh, the boards of, of Premier League football clubs like they have in Germany. And I know it's not a perfect system, but, you know, it means at least fans are heard. Yeah, it's interesting because you look at Liverpool, they've got a, a difficult but working relationship with the owners, haven't they? They've They've... they've Basically, to put it bluntly, they've fucked up a few times. Yeah. And But they've come back and re- recognised the problem, addressed it, engaged with the fans, and they've moved on. And that's why they've been able to stay in charge and stay successful. Um, see, uh, there, there was a major rise in ticket prices. There was something, uh, there, there was a furloughing of staff. There was various issues where they screwed up. And mm. then they've come back and been able to reconcile. Chelsea and City are obviously in a different position because they're, 
in in fear of missing out was part of the yeah, motivation for them. Back up, weren't they? Not really that interested. Yeah, in they weren't essentially driving it, were they? And they've they've obviously they've both taken care of the fact that they actually do care. They're throwing money at their clubs, but they do care about the fans. Man, that Man City have developed the whole of East Manchester. They've put a lot of investment into the local area. It's not just about the football. Chelsea, Abramovich, yeah, maybe maybe not so much. But he, he, you know, he cares about the club and he wants them to do well and he wants to be liked by the Chelsea fans. Mm. So they've, it's not a surprise they're the first two to pull out. I'm glad Arsenal recognised the situation fairly early on. The disturbing ones, of course, are Manchester United, whose owners are the most cynical of the lot, if you ask me. Uh, well, along with Real Madrid's owner. Um, they still uh, pulled out as well. Like, are Real Madrid still going ahead by themselves? Yeah, yeah. Well, Real Madrid, yeah. Barcelona and Juventus and the three have not pulled yeah. out, apparently. That's mad. Yeah. And Juventus oh. are being like, chucked out of Serie A as well if they don't do it by the end of the season. Like, really? It's like that film about the Japanese soldier on an island isolated from the rest of the world after World War II and he's still fighting the war. Like, there isn't a war anymore. It's yeah. like that, isn't it? It's like these people are in a different bubble. They're completely on their own island. Yeah. An island of delusions of grandeur, saying it's the only way to save football. It's the exact opposite of saving football. Yeah. <laughs> what I found really positive about the whole experience, though, is mm. obviously a lot of the time you can imagine that this, the big six, are, you know, it, feel, it feels a very different world for you guys to us, basically. But actually, mm. you realize when it comes down to it, it's the same world. You guys all want to watch your team play in the English Premier League. Yes, you're going to get into Europe and that sort of thing as well. But when it comes down to it, the idea suddenly came out that you were like going to like pull out, or, you know, be forced out of the English League because of this ridiculous concept. And people came out in force. They, and the fans turned these owners because I don't think they, I think they knew they'd get backlash from generally, but I don't think they thought they'd get backlash from their own fans. And mm. they were shocked by that. And that's what they pulled out. And I'm, it's so positive that every single sports group of all of the big six was like, this is terrible. Everyone, all like all fans I've seen who, you know, proper fans were like, this is an awful idea. I don't think anyone's really said it was a good idea from the big six, barring their owners. Even the managers and the players were saying it was a bad idea, and they're yeah. the ones who are paid by the owners. It was it was really positive to see the reaction to these money grabbing bastards basically kind of getting like kind of get being told. Yeah, it was. It was overwhelming, wasn't it? Peter, um, Matthew, I know you very well. I feel very comfortable to say that I, I fancy dropping an E. Uh, that's the, the, uh, it's the e-word entitlement. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> accuses Arsenal of being entitled, and and other fans as well of some yeah. of the big clubs. Doesn't this almost swing it right back the other way? The fact that you are, I think, typical, with with the exception of one fan of any of the big six clubs that I've spoken to who happens to be an Arsenal fan by unlucky chance. Um, every single other fan of any of the big six, and I'm talking about fans I've spoken to who are Chelsea, Tottenham, Liverpool, Arsenal. Um, I'm not sure if I, yeah, City as well. I've spoken to one or two City fans. They've all said they're against it uh, wholesale. 100% they're against it. So by essence, doesn't that really mean you're not entitled? Because you, you understand the concepts, the logics, the, the traditions, the importance of structure, the pyramid and all that stuff. Yeah, well, you know, I, I would never said Arsenal would ever say Arsenal fans are entitled. Uh, you know, <laughs> I had this, You know uh, people do though, don't you? Yes, I know. Uh, was it Robin after the last... Hello Robin, if you're listening. 
<laughs> or eighth, which is quite entitled from our side. You must see that logic that you know you guys complain about finishing eighth and we're in Premier League and we're yeah. like, well, we finished like bottom, almost second bottom of football league at one point. You, yeah. you must see the point. Obviously, you you, might, you wouldn't see it from your side, but from our side, you must see that that seems entitled. Yeah, I, I, I get I get why that would seem entitled, but at the same time, I think it's about it comes down to kind of expectations and what expectations you have of your club and your team based on largely based on the history, both recent history and and older. Um, and I think you know, say if if Brighton were to be relegated. Um, and you know, you might say, okay, well, you know, we, we had a good good run of it, but we want to get back into the Premier League. You'd expect, you know, the next season at least to be finishing in the playoffs. And if you didn't finish in the playoffs, you know, would you not feel that's that's a terrible outcome? And then would would it be fair for Wickham Wanderers fans to say, well, you're entitled Brighton fans? Yeah, yeah. I get that. Yeah. I get you. Hundred percent agree with that. Someone lower down who probably regards you as in, entitled. I get the, the point. And yeah. yes, and us finishing when we were like bottom of the league. Would regard ourselves as being entitled. We complain about finishing eighth in the championship. Yeah, I, I get the point there. The fair yeah. Point. Hmm. So, so yeah. So Arsenal fans aren't entitled, Russell. Just to sum up. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted, I wanted you I to have the... the point. You're saying what? I think what actually you're saying is that all football fans are entitled. It's just <laughs> maybe that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, you're, you're, we all feel entitled to do something, to do whatever X or Y or Z. But then, and there'll be someone lower down who judge you, unless you're literally in the bottom team. In which case, it's like kind of in the whole football structure. In which case, you must you wouldn't be entitled. I tell you what, we are entitled to. We're entitled to have decent owners, whether we're big clubs or small clubs. You look at what's happened to uh, to uh, Barry in the last couple of years. Steve yeah. Dale, a cynical asset stripping, multi asset stripping bastard, basically, and and he's still ripping that club off. For, he's ripping them out. From the inside, no, from the outside in, well, the inside out, one of those two, anyway. He, people like that, and then you, you've got people at the very other end of the scale. You've got Florentino Perez, or whatever his name is, and he, he's just essentially doing the same thing. He's only got his own football, though, Russ. You know, mm, yeah, he's, he's only got his own interests. I mean, yeah, he is a football guy, unlike Steve Dale, who didn't even know if they had a football team in in, in Barry, but. But you know, there's, there's cynicism, there's there's asset strippers, there's opportunists at every level of football, and I think we all have to keep things in proportion. I like to think that Arsenal fans are not entitled. They're, they're, yeah, you'll get ahead of yourselves once in a while in a, in a certain situation, but generally you're not. I don't think as entitled as people think you are. There are a lot who get very upset when they used to Brighton, should we say, from the three games we've beaten you. Well, I mean, team, Arsenal like fans TV, for example, doesn't. Thank you very much. Well. Oh, I was Arsenal fan TV. <laughs> Those, <laughs> teams like Brighton. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, that anything, uh, I, I just see, you know, there's people who are like famous on Twitter and famous on YouTube and, and things yeah. like that. They're, they're, they're not the kind of fans that you meet generally. The fans I, I know. I was, I was using it as a kind of like <laughs> example of like hyperbolism and stuff. I wasn't. And actually, we're, we're all really fans. We can't stand people. Like, we can't well, stand people that talk and talk and talk and like the sound of their own voices. Oh, hang on a minute. Hold on, we're doing a podcast. <laughs> aren't we? This isn't yeah, good. who would record themselves talking on some sort of like thing that <laughs> out to people? I mean, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> but no, j- joking aside though, yeah, I mean, we all want the better good, don't we, for football in the yeah. end. And yes, we've got different aspirations. We've got different 
status you pick your club or do you even pick your club at all but if you do you pick it on basically if you if you've got any sense you pick it on a certain criteria you know it's where you're from it's where you moved to and spent a time you loved or it's your parents or whatever it is yeah whatever the the criteria involved and you just stick with it and that's the essence of being a football fan in england whether you're a massive club or not you're you're just a football fan i'm just a football fan we all are whether we support arsenal brighton or you know or worthing fc or whoever it is up and down the land there's proportional scale there's proportional expectations that should be expected mm-hmm. but in the end we just want our club to be run suitably for the context of the size we are as a club and, and to be fair i think i'm probably i probably do judge people based on the, the club or certainly like man U, that sort of thing in terms of the you know, like living in London growing up, I've got a lot of Man U fans who've never been in Manchester. Actually. There are Man U fans who've been there through thick, you know, they're relatively thick or thin. Uh, no, I'm, I'm very blinker when it comes to Man United. Absolutely. Yeah. There is like, I mean, there are horrible lot. <laughs> like, you know, even if you're a big Club City fans, obviously were there when, you know, well, I think, I think judging by Twitter the last few days, a lot of them have been there since like about half an hour ago when it's like winning games. <laughs> yeah. A lot of them have also been there since they won, you know, were winning the playoffs in what's now League One, you know. So there are a lot of them who are still around them, but also there are a lot of entitled people as well who've jumped on board since they started winning. But just because you're from somewhere that's an area successful doesn't mean you shouldn't, you're not a proper football fan. And obviously, you, you're a syndicate holder, you're, you know, you're not the, the, you know, you're not the issue. The issue is people who support maybe big six who aren't connected and regard the, you know, losing the Brighton is quite offensive and, you know, mm-hmm. oh my God, we lost to Brighton. This is a joke. You know, Brighton are terrible. They just did this and did that. And City fans have shown themselves to be quite, we say, like quite bad in that sense over the last few days. Mm-hmm. It's very, very, there's been some quite offensive things said about Brighton. And it's like, well, you, you've won the league already. Why are you getting so arsy about it? Yeah. But I mean, that's, that's the thing about, and the thing I love about the, the Premier League is that anyone can beat anyone on their day. And that's the great thing about, about football generally, you know, and that's the great thing. You know, my favourite competition is the FA Cup, actually. It's not the Champions League or mm. any kind of European yeah. format competition. The FA Cup is brilliant because it makes, you know, Spurs or Arsenal or even Brighton go and play, you know, basically in someone's garden. And it's... And it's just, you know, <laughs> yeah, and that's the one with the numbers on the back fence. Yeah. That's brilliant. I can't remember who that was. That was fantastic. You know. Marine or someone? Marine. Yeah, Marine. yeah, that was it. That was brilliant, yeah. But that's that's the stories. That's what's making us smile right now. Talking about it, isn't it? The FA Cup, and we're as guilty as anyone else because we play relatively mm. backup teams. Yeah. We don't play our first choice team in the FA Cup since we've been Premier League. Those are the stories. That's but where the stories come. It's really sad because I remember growing up watching football. My my first memories of the FA Cup final, and literally from ten a.m. in the morning of the FA Cup, which is always Saturday at three p.m. It was never like mm-hmm. these weird times that it is now. It was like Saturday at three p.m. on its own. No other games. And it was it built up from like 10 a.m. on grandstand, and they were like starting off then and talking about all the different te- the teams and the the big points. And it's like that's really lost now. It's really sad because it was it is my favourite cup as well, trophy as well. Because it's like it was such a great thing. And growing up watching Brighton when we were in lower leagues, the idea that we drew Liverpool or Man U or Arsenal was a huge thing. It was like massive. Obviously, it's it's not less it's less interesting now. You play them in the league anyway. But until like even four years ago, we were like. Drawing a Arsenal away in FA Cup or home was a big thing. Yeah, and, you know it's like it doesn't feel like 
you know, a lot of in, in when I was growing up, they play their first team and they turn up and properly, and it would get coverage somewhere, and it wouldn't be like you know now it's like Premier League teams, including Brighton, play their reserve teams, and I get it because the number of games and because like the squads, but it is still quite sad that it's lost its way, and especially the final when it's like put in a number of you know it's among a number of Premier League games when it was its own thing on a Saturday, three p.m. Saturday. Big game. It was the game, only game of the day, and it was like built up for like five hours before, and it was such a big thing. Well, then, yeah, the set the like, set piece occasion is it, itself has been moved yeah. by from the traditional time. That in itself is was like within a lot of Premier League games, basically, and it it's quite sad. It's lost mm-hmm. its kind of like special. But obviously, it wasn't. It was very special at the end. They won it for the first time. It was amazing for their fans who were there and their fans generally. But in terms of like the football occasion, it's not quite the same these days. Well, and I think, again, you can blame Man United for that. I think Man United are basically just, you get rid of them and football will be all right again. But, um, you know, do you remember when Alex Ferguson pulled Man United out of the FA Cup? Sorry, what was that, Peter? Get rid of Leeds as well, that would be good. And then, uh... <laughs> yeah, fine, get rid of Leeds. <laughs> but, but, yeah, but, Man United pulled themselves out for that club tournament, didn't they, for a year? Yeah, no, you just don't do. You just yeah. don't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah awful, awful team, Man United. Terrible hating. I don't know if, <laughs> if Sean listens to your podcast. Who you sometimes have had on, but um, we yes. we uh, I, I went so you know obviously I went to school with and that was Sean. But Man United fan living in London. Mm. Yeah, well, mm. I, was I went to school. At plastics, <laughs> plastics. <laughs> the combination was Arsenal fans and Man U fans. So obviously, Arsenal fans were local supporting their, their you know, obviously it's a big team, but it's for their local team. And Man U fans who'd never been to Manchester in their life and just like randomly picked them because they were winning everything. And it was just like, well, that's. I mean, not... people, Albion fans hate Man United fans and the like because at school in Brighton, you'd have Man United fans galore. Uh, not just them, it's other clubs as well, obviously, mm-hmm. at Liverpool. There might have been some Arsenal fans, probably, I don't know. But the point is that, you know, it, was, it, was, it wasn't the local club. And there was, oh, yeah, who do you really support? No, Brighton is the team I support. That's what yeah. I hear a lot of. There's a generation of fans who are now Brighton fans, staunchly. But there was a generation before yeah, it. Like that, Lewis, Lewis like, Dunk's a Chelsea well. fan. I got that, he, and I'd also be like, well, I support Barnet as well, I suppose. So mm. now we're really trying to put people off their kind of like. <laughs> who's your Peter wasn't glutton for punishment enough. He, he went to Barnet as well. They often follow Barnet and go there quite a lot. So uh, and that would shut someone up quite quickly. <laughs> I wasn't going to give a big club. I keep going down the sketch down the like line or whatever, and end up with like you know kind of back know, to Wingate and Finchley. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> further down from that, and it's like yeah, I just give up on this point. I'm not a I'm not a big club supporter. I don't give a shit. I, I like watching Brighton. Well, you're you're a big club supporter now, Peter. Well, Definitely, like, yeah. He's a glory hunter now. One of the 16 biggest clubs in the country, and yeah, uh, yeah I, live, I live near Charlton, who are like nowhere near that now. When they were like when I was growing up, much bigger clubs. So crazy times. Yeah, yeah there I we go. Club, really, shouldn't I? Well, much as I'd love to keep this this beer fueled banter fest going forever, we'd probably better wrap it up there. Except to say, predictions at least for Sunday. I feel like we predictions look. exactly. Sunday, four o'clock kickoff. Of course, all the games at the same time. We need to beat you guys and yes. hope that Liverpool do the business which they need to do for the top four by beating Palace. If that happens, we finish above Palace despite all the angst, 
all the missed opportunities. We could finally sneak in at the very last moment. You can see how delicious from our point of view that would be. Yeah. Obviously, I, well, I think Liverpool will probably beat Palace. We don't know for sure. Let's assume that happens. Are we going to be happy bunnies come Sunday evening, Matthew? Honestly and from the heart, what are your two predictions you can give two here? Okay, so we have a lot to play for as well. We've got yes. we've got potential European qualification with the European Conference League. Or yeah, so you've got to avoid that, yeah. Yeah, we're trying <laughs> to avoid that. However, we have to finish up with Spurs as well. And they're playing Leicester City, oh, who are... No on for the Champions League spot. So, you know, if we win and Spurs lose, we finished above them for the first time in about four or five seasons. So, you know, a lot riding on it for us as well. However, given recent history with Brighton, I just have a feeling that it's going to happen again. You're going to, we're going to have, we're going to have fans in the stadium for the first time all season. Hopefully that will give Arsenal a little boost. But I just have a feeling that Brighton are going to, um, Pull one out of the bag again. So two one Brighton. Two one Brighton. Okay, okay, fantastic. Love it. Yeah. I'll and maybe maybe I'm just reverse jinxing it though, Russell. You know. I know. I know <laughs> what you're doing. I know what you're yeah. doing. Yeah, Peter. <laughs> Peter. Ironic, I was just Matthew saying about not only are we like we could both finish above our rivals, but we also are relying on the same set of area of games. Yeah. As well, because Leicester, we're relying on Liverpool, you're relying on Leicester. Yeah. So. It's actually the two teams competing for the same position, pretty much, but, or, or the same two positions that Chelsea lose. So it's ironic that we're both relying on the same two teams to win, the same area to win as well, Champions League qualification to win, to like help us as well. I, I think, because football is basically a dickhead, I, I reckon it'll be a draw which will help neither of us. <laughs> it's guaranteed to happen. We'll be a one-all draw that won't, you know, maybe we'll guarantee us like 16th and we'll guarantee you eight or whatever but it won't help either of us finish above our rivals and yeah. that's just like the way football works so we'll, we'll all be yeah yeah exactly it's the way football goes isn't it <laughs> the results will go our way but it'll be the way of the team who's leading and then they will the other team will equalize later on to then mean yeah. both lose out and it's they're both fucked basically so. I'm, g- I'm gonna go one all as well am i reverse jinxing am i not matthew i don't know but i'm gonna go for one all reverse jinxing we're out, out jinxing each other and if if it is one all it'll be you'll probably equalize in the 90th minute as well just to make it more annoying none of us predicted brighton losing in a game where we probably will lose yeah, so we'll lose them. And That's the only thing that happens, I hope, I hope Matt Ryan starts and he goes up for a corner in the 90th minute and scores a winner. <laughs> yes, well, he, he set one, he set one up to our benefit earlier in the season. Do you want to sign Matt Ryan permanently? And, and would you like Basuma if he, for, say, 40 million if he was available for that sort of thing? Uh, I would, hmm. Both those questions, yes and yes. I think both would be great signings for us. Yeah, mind. definitely. I think I think he's a fantastic player. I think he's always been a real kind of. Whenever I've seen Brighton play recently, a real standout player for you. And um, yeah, I think he'd, he'd suit Arsenal and suit what we need quite a lot. If he plays Partey, or would he be alongside Partey? He seems to have not quite. He was brilliant at Atletico, but not quite lived up to it at Arsenal. Yeah, he. I don't know if it's if the system doesn't suit him. Maybe, but maybe he needs someone like Basuma alongside him. Um, to kind of you get the most out of him then maybe but yeah I he's not been um, anywhere near as impressive as I'd hoped 
he would be anyway. Yeah, he seemed like he did. He's brilliant in Spain but and in Europe, but he didn't seem... Yeah, he's not quite hit the ground. But then a lot of players do take a year if they come from overseas, especially in this situation. Like, you know, it must be really hard to settle over here. Yeah. If you're a player coming from, from like, mainland Europe or from South America in a situation generally. But when it's, like, a situation like this year where you can't visit people, you can't go back home, you can't have people come over here, it's it must be really tough. You forget about the kind of the situation of moving away from like where you mm. that sort of thing it must be really tough. Yeah, that that kind of personal kind of um, the kind of mental side of of just being a person, I guess. Yeah. You know, just, yeah, I think football know. fans forget that. You know, it's, yeah. they forget that. You know, it's not just like about football; it's about people are human as well. Yeah, they, they are, and they're away from home. They've moved away maybe for the first time, and you're putting a lot of expectation on someone because mm. they cost you know ten, twenty, thirty million, but actually they are just human and it's it's easy to forget that bit yeah it is I, i'm feeling a little bit um kind of uh, odd because russell's disappeared are we are we in charge of the podcast now yeah, no, like, <laughs> crafty beer monster's gone and uh, <laughs> we can finally say what we really think about him yeah god oh yeah <laughs> i think he'll, he'll be listening to it back now won't he Shocking. He's probably still got his earpiece in, so he's hearing. <laughs> oh, Russell has finally left the podcast, and now he's back. And yes, I was listening in. I was very discreetly going to the toilet. I was hoping none of you would notice, but uh, there we go. <laughs> but no, I agree with everything everybody said. Uh, yes, I'm sure that's right. And um, about you being a dickhead. <laughs> That goes without saying, of course. Podcast finally descended into like kind of insults now. It's it's basically moved to like North Stand chat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't want to know about that. It's Arsenal TV in written form. In case you're wondering, Matthew, I, I know North Stand chat from from you um, talking about. Oh, really? It. Did I tell you about that? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> quite something. It's it's like a localized uh, Google search thing as well. It's brilliant. Bernie's joined the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Bernie, Bernie is basically a polar bear uh, that's just appeared on the screen. <laughs> also known as a cat, but looking rather massive, actually, yeah. I have to say. Yeah, brilliant. Well, on that note, I, I wish you the very worst of luck at the weekend, Matthew. Thank you, so if you want to come... <laughs> I really hope your prediction comes true. <laughs> yes, so do I. Yeah, thanks for that. And if... <laughs> If you want to, you'd be welcome to join us for a post-match chat. If not, maybe we're, we're doing a, a... By the way, just to, to mention for everyone out there, we're going to do a summer quiz tournament. The Euros are on. Euro 2020s on in 2021. But we're going to do our own tournament, and it is going to be the, the Quiz 21 tournament. I've just made that name up. It's very shit. We'll work on that. Would it be going around um, Europe, though, and like having different... <laughs> <laughs> Contributors to the podcast... Quick rapid fire questions, uh, head to heads, knockout tournament. You up for it, Matthew? Yeah, sounds good. Count me in. Right, you're in. You're in. You're <laughs> one of the sixteen. <laughs> it's official. First person signed up for the Euros. Do we do we get okay. do we get to pick a team who will will be representing? Well, you just represent yourself. But if you you can call it Arsenal if you want, I don't mind. Yeah, for the Euros, you know, international teams really. We should be doing a. Well, you, you've got Italian blood, you've got Irish blood, you've got yeah. a bit of English as well, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a mixture of, well, English is going to be pretty commonplace, so I think you've got to go Ireland or or Italy then, really. Or, or Ireland, isn't it? 
not 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 Republican. No, they're not. They're not in the Euros, but they're in they're in this because you're in it. Oh right, if fair enough. What I mean. hmm. yeah. If you want to be, you yeah, won't no. have any Italians in there, so you can be Italy if you prefer. I'll, I'll be Italy. Yeah, I'll be Italy. Oh, you would. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am. I'm, in, I'm entitled. So that's the. You're gonna sit there and like think about it for like ten minutes while time wasting to answer it. Yeah, <laughs> be very defensive. Yeah, yeah. You, you might come out. You might come out with a few perlos of wisdom, though. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> you can always get someone to headbutt you in, like, injury time and win the game through penalties instead. Like yeah. it. Or just get just get bitten by random Uruguayans. That's okay as well. You can do that sort of thing. Italy have had a lot of weird, those weird things in games. <laughs> when yeah. you start talking about them... <laughs> Plus corruption as well and all yeah. that stuff. It's like, yeah... Yeah, that's just yeah. part of Italian life, generally. That's <laughs> sound really boring, actually. <laughs> well, at the risk of rambling on for hours longer than we should have done due to beer infusion, um, we'd probably better wrap it up there, Peter. Yeah. Matthew, thank you very much for joining yeah, us for this. Exactly. I really enjoyed preview. it. It's the end of the season. Oh, what a crazy season as well it's been. Have you enjoyed it? And what are your, what are your thoughts for next season? Me? Yeah. have i I enjoyed this season not so much it's been um do you know what having football during lockdown has just has been a bit of a lifesaver even though arsenal have been pretty poor this season it's just been nice to have something um but i do hope arsenal are significantly better next season i am Always hopeful, I think. As an Arsenal fan, if you don't have hope, you don't have anything. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's be hopeful. We'll have a better season next year. And, and a final quick question. If you lose to us next season, if, we, if we're if we both going to the game of the Emirates, are you going to show up in the pub afterwards this time? I showed up last time, Russell. You just took forever to get to the pub. <laughs> <laughs> so I left. <laughs> Your mates were still in there. I'm just yeah, saying. <laughs> <laughs> title <laughs> uh, <laughs> so on that note i'm just joking i'm just joking but on that note we'll round it off so peter in the usual way we shall say stand or fall up the albion <laughs> right we're back there's an extra Matthew, who's an Arsenal fan, was not happy with the level of digging, i.e. the lack of level of digging at Spurs. Go yeah. on, Matthew. What, what do we want? Kane's on his way out, isn't he? Quick word yeah. about that. Hilarious. Arsenal fan. Arsenal Absolutely fan. Absolutely hilarious. Uh, you know, he he's in, in the last few weeks, he has been just pissed out of by it. Absolutely everyone. Um, so it's time for him to go and that'll be good. Son will probably go as well. And um, I reckon Brighton will finish above Spurs next season. Oh, I love it. We've got to get Ollie on the podcast. Yeah, and Spurs fans. Really good as well. You know, you're having like your anti-Spurs thing, but also playing to your audience, which is really nice. I, I know what I'm doing, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> what you're not saying, we're also going to finish by Arsenal as well. So we're apparently XG, we're going to finish like a fifth or something like that. <laughs> right. Dare we say... When we get Kane, we're going to finish fifth. Yeah. <laughs> rumours of rumours of Graham Potter to Spurs is one of the, one of the favourites, isn't he? Why is would that you a go? step down? Step yes. down. Yes, of course, that's a step down. 
Why, why would anyone in their right mind want to go and manage Spurs? It's, it's... <laughs> would you say Basuma to Arsenal to step down as well? <laughs> what, if you came to Arsenal? Well, yeah, would you say Basuma to Arsenal to step down as well? Oh, no, no, of course not. He's, you know, he's making a career for himself to come to Arsenal. Come to the big boys. <laughs> as long as Graham Potter doesn't move in as manager, or you'd be OK with Graham Potter? No, as no, I, I think for us, stick with Arteta for now. I'm, I'm uh, I think give him another season, see what he can do. Hmm. Be, yeah, be throwing the um, baby out of the bathwater at the moment if we got rid. Okay, yeah. keeping on the Spurs theme. Yeah. Yeah. On, as well, like you've already got Matty Ryan with one of our reserves. You fancy something like Jahan Batch or uh, Bernardo or mm. something like that? You know who could? Matt, like... Matt Ryan was was your reserve for about five minutes, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm a big Ryan fan, but I thought I'd try. You know, Jahan Batch is really great. You know, we've got also got Andone, and we've got quite a few reserves that so you could be up. Yeah, Lucardi is good, isn't he, Peter? Oh yeah, yeah. is setting the MLS alight, so you know, should definitely go for him. Well, the shambles that is Arsenal scouting network, they'll probably will turn <laughs> one or two of them uh, before be the Cincinnati FC because if they are. They should be looking at Lacardia, who comes occasionally on the bench. Apparently, I'm sure. I'm sure they're all listening to this podcast, and um, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll be taking you up on that. Focus on I'm going to tag them all in on Twitter now. <laughs> Hot topics on Matt Ryan. I'm sure he'll look at it. I've got a feeling he's the type that would. Hello, Matt, if you're listening. <laughs> no, we're supposed to be having a dig at Spurs here. We've, yeah. we've steered it away. Come on, you've got to have some more quick digs. You've got you've got another two minutes. Go for it. Oh, just, we say about Spurs? Just they're shit. Just that's it. Like, they're <laughs> they, not even able. They, they can't go Spursy this year because they're not they, screwing. They've got nothing to screw up, have they? That's the problem at the moment. No, they're just they. They were singing. They were singing. The other, apparently, in the ground the other day, they're singing. We want our Tottenham back. So like, you've got your Tottenham back. This is Tottenham. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh dear! It's only if you're listening to this, we do apologise. And then they fucked it up quite massively, as they always do. But they, they were at one point in the Mourinho top when they were playing well, football, but somehow top of the league. And now, yeah. they're, now they're eighth or whatever it is or something like that. Well, they, they won the league in November, didn't they? First first team to ever do it. <laughs> I Brittany, find, have I you been... Say, you, you guys at least have won stuff, although I find it quite amusing about you as well. But Spurs have not won a thing for ages, and yet somehow in a European Super League... Oh, that's a joke, isn't it? Was that? No. <laughs> You can't. You've won a, a lot more recently, but you also haven't won much. Haven't got top four for a while. I found it very weird that the European Super League included teams that were in the positions that you guys were, and especially Spurs, who've won nothing for a long time. Well, you know, Arsenal have pedigree at least, but Spurs, yeah. like, they've literally the best thing they've won in the last twenty years is the League Cup. You know, but that's it. Yeah. There are there is seventy-one. Is it something they've won the league since? Sixty-one. We won it in seventy-one. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. Size-wise, they are a big club, but ultimately, when it comes down to it, if you haven't won the trophies, how do you place that in terms of big clubs? I don't I never yeah. quite know how to measure it. There's different ways to measure it. Europe, you can't be the biggest one of the twenty biggest in Europe. You've not won your league for sixty years. That's <laughs> physically impossible. I mean, how is that even thought of as being part of it? And it is only down to money, and it's a thing. That was the thing I know against European Super League. It wasn't about the big clubs. It was about the clubs who were bringing the most money in. It was never about football or anything like that. It was about exactly. And Tottenham and Tottenham's proven to a degree more than anyone else, probably, to be honest. It's yeah. all driven by that, isn't it? Florentino, Paris, you know, it's about money. They've, mm. they've squandered money. They've ripped off the Spanish public. 
um, several times through the government, and they're still they're still saying they want more. For Spurs, it's about jumping on the bandwagon, isn't it? I really hope they win at the weekend and and stop Real winning their in the league because oh, I really want Atleti to win. I know you've got an Atleti top, haven't you, Matthew? Yeah, I do. Yeah, that'd be great. But the Spurs were only invited um, so that we could have a North London derby. That's it. Like, they're only invited. <laughs> 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 oh, God. Uh, yeah, well, it's fair enough. I mean, yeah, you can have a dig and, and please do. Yeah. That's the end of the sentence, actually. I haven't got any more to the <laughs> sentence. That was it. <laughs> I love the forum. Yeah, they're uh, just, it, they're just it, terrible, aren't they? And that's um, that's good. <laughs> have you, as a season ticket holder, have you been to the Tottenham Stadium, by the way? Not to the, no, I haven't, I haven't been to the Tottenham Stadium. I went to, I've seen Arsenal play Spurs at Wembley, but I never went to White Hart Lane either, actually. Hmm. But, uh, Can I just say that it's really good because we've been kind of trying to get a really unbiased view about Tottenham on the show. And it's really good to have a totally kind of like unbiased view of their, of yeah. their and the general kind of like... <laughs> with that a lot and we wanted to kind of get someone who really didn't have any issue either way what's a yeah. bit more anti-Tottenham and this is, no, this is very totally kind of middle of the line doesn't give a shit either way yeah this is generally like just how I you know how I see it how I read the situation there's no emotion going into yeah, this there's no, there's no bias no. <laughs> not, not at all not at all absolutely and on that basis, I think we've got to get Ollie in as your competitor in this uh, in this quiz tournament. Oh, that's got to be Arsenal be Spurs, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you'll win, yeah. I reckon. <laughs> he probably his, his football knowledge is probably far far greater than mine. But um, well, I'm Tottenham have to win something. Yeah. Well. Okay. We'll we'll see. <laughs> anyway, that's us over again. Then that that was a lovely little podcast. Well, thanks for that, sure Russell. I appreciated that. That was nice. No problem. You wanted to get it off your chest, didn't you? <laughs> Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.